Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Shake podcast with me, Kieran Clark, alongside, as usual, my regular co-host, Mr. Owen Davis, who, Owen likes to go out and play golf in the autumn, this is his favourite time of year for playing golf, but unfortunately, or maybe somewhat fortunately as well, Owen has actually been quite busy recently buying a new house, so Owen, I take it, there hasn't been much golf in your diary recently. No, I won a competition uh, on Sunday actually, Kieran, so I'm still always a dedicated golfer, I always find time to play golf. You've been misinformed, obviously. I was very misinformed, yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on winning the competition. What was the competition? I played a uh, Cambridgeshire um, County Order of Merits finals day. So a bit of a mouthful, mm. but uh, I did play well, and I do like playing this time of the year, and I've backed it up with a victory. So there you go. <laughs> See, there you go. And the thing is, listeners, you know, Owen has been talking to me for the last 20 minutes before this podcast, and he didn't once once mention that victory before now. It just shows you how modest he is. You know, it's really quite something, a real testament to his character. But yes, well played, and uh, given the upheaval behind the scenes to do that is obviously impressive too. And yeah, it's your favourite time of year. And obviously, actually, away on the tour, it's been a very favourable time of year as well for Tyrrell Hatton who of course has won back-to-back events on the European Tour, obviously won a Dunhill Lynx Championship up here at St Andrews, and then of course at the weekend there he came through and won the Italian Open as part of the Rolex series on the European Tour, big money, he came back in 30 on the back nine to win that event in just sparkling fashion, that birdie on the last to see off once again Ross Fisher, who's played probably the best golf of his career in the past fortnight, but has turned up empty-handed in terms of titles. But obviously a course record of 61 last week at the old course, and he was uh, in imperious form once again in Italy. Where, of course, Owen, you spent a bit of time uh, earlier in this year kind of going through Italian golf and trying to promote it this year. And obviously uh, this Italian Open was obviously a real showcase for that and uh, great weather there, great conditions. And I must also say, the crowds at the Italian Open, you know, some remarkably well-dressed people. You know, <laughs> something about the Italians. You know, they just just have this inner classiness. You know, it must have been. You compare it to the Dunhill Links the week before, where it was like the land of the Walking Dead, and then a week later, you're practically walking through this big showroom of fashion icons. It was amazing. But yeah, a great crowd, a great atmosphere. But oh, and you know, Tyrrell Hatton, who you've met on a few occasions through the years, and obviously he's a become a really impressive player. So do you think now the Ryder Cup is, is firmly in his trajectory? I think he's almost nailed on, isn't he? He's won two yeah, massive so. events, um, you know, both in the qualification period. He, uh, I don't know, do you know where he is in the world ranking, Kieran, now? He's, he's in the top 20 now, he's in the top 20. So he's going to get into every WGC, every single major, uh, no cuts in the WGC. It's really hard to see how, uh, being in that position, he now won't make the team. So he will be there. I'm mm. yeah, I'm absolutely certain in Paris next year. I just can't see him. I can't see him missing it. He'd have to have a, a huge tumble down in form to to miss it, and he'd probably only just miss it then. So yeah, he'll be yeah. there now. I think. I think so. I think he's one of the new crop of players coming through, and now he's a proven winner, and uh, he's won in different circumstances, both as a leader and also coming from behind. And uh, you know, he's he's unquestionably a very impressive player. Although, of course, some people do would point to his uh, perhaps his on-course demeanour as being somewhat questionable. I think he's certainly a moody player. He's very hard on himself, has uh, very high expectations, clearly. Um, and maybe he's perhaps not the easiest player to play alongside. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say at times. However, what he's been able to do, it seems like, is sort of channel this uh, kind of anger and aggression on the golf course into playing really good golf. So um, I don't know, Owen, what do you think of his attitude? Is it 
if you were a guy in the tour, would you want to avoid Tyrrell Hatton on the, or as a playing partner? And do you think the way, his attitude, rather than hurting him, that real determination and almost kind of such high expectations that actually drives him on to play better golf? Well, I think Tyrrell is in. Um, if you meet him and you play golf with him, he's, he's in his own world. Uh, he's in his own bubble, and obviously the way he is on the golf course. Um, you know that's just the way it is. It's the way he looks like gets the most out of himself. Um, I think you were mentioning earlier um, that you know he, he's he's quite hard on himself even after he's won the Dunhill Links. He was still yeah a, a bit hard on himself in the Italian Open. And I think that's just the way he is. That's his demeanour. He's in his own bubble. He's not that aware of his playing partners. Um, I don't think. Um, as for not wanting to play with him. I, th- I think he's all right. I mean, if you actually speak to him, he's a really bubbly character. He's quite good mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, he'll share a joke. Um, I think the European Tour did that thing with him earlier this year. The um, the guy came on the first tee and uh, was a bit of a spoof <laughs> guy and went to shake yes. his hand and didn't. And yeah. he took that pretty well. And I think uh, there was a lot of Mickey taking on tour out of him from that. But he took it all in his stride and and hasn't bothered him. So I think the guys. Um, who get drawn with him all these guys are professional golfers they're all very very good and very adept at switching on and off on the golf course um they play very slow rounds of golf they play a lot of pro-ams uh with golfers who are probably far more difficult to play with than Tyrrell Hatton um mm. so they're very adept and very good at switching on and off on the golf course so I'm not sure Tyrrell Hatton and the way he acts or behaves on the golf course is going to affect them too much. So I don't, I don't think anyone would be kind of praying not to be drawn with him uh, at all. But uh, yeah, as for, as for helping him, I think it definitely helps him. Um, uh, he's clearly getting the most out of his game right now. You wouldn't say he's the most talented guy in the world uh, compared to some of the ball strikers on tour, but he's got he's got the knack of winning. He just keeps winning, doesn't he? He keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he wins massive events. He wins big events every time. So um, he's got something about him, obviously. Uh, he certainly does, and you're right. They're away from the golf course. He does seem to be quite a likable character, quite bubbly, and uh, has quite a certainly on social media. He's a very open personality, and people do enjoy following him. He has quite a, a dry sense of humour there, and quite self-effacing, which perhaps might go against a little bit of the the image you might see on television in terms of his when he's on the golf course playing. But uh, away from it, he does seem to be a, a, a decent character. Yeah, I, I interviewed so. him last year, Kieran, or a couple of years ago, yeah. um, and you know had kind of. 20 minutes just sitting down chatting to him very quite kind of casual interview and he was really good fun um Mm. you know he he really was he was a nice guy so um you know he's he's a little bit a little bit of a strange character sometimes and a strange sense of humor but he you know he was really good fun in the interview so i think you can yeah it can be very mistaken when the cameras are on these players um they tend to be um at the end of a tournament or leading a tournament they're under pressure situation they put themselves mm-hmm. under pressure so i don't think you see the real the real player when you're watching them on tv uh, at all and i think tyrrell hatton's probably uh, one of those where he's really polarized your view of him is really polarized by, by the tv cameras so yeah i think so i think that's right and a very good point there and uh, yeah talking from personal experience as well owen and uh, you're right i think oh, um, tyrrell has kind of divided some opinion on uh, social media in terms of his uh, on-course demeanor but in reality i think now when people see more of him uh, the more success that he has, he'll start to find there's a there's a decent character beneath that surface, and obviously a great golfer as well, and a winner. And uh, those are tremendous attributes to have, and uh, certainly he'll be a, a massive asset for 
Thomas Bjorn at the Ryder Cup next year. And Owen, we'll be talking a little bit about the Ryder Cup later on in the podcast because we have obviously an interview you did with uh, Christian Nielsen of Galvin Green, the CEO there at the Golf National, obviously building towards the Ryder Cup. We're now roughly one year away from the Ryder Cup and obviously right now Thomas Bjorn and Jim Furyk are in Paris doing all the events and promoting the, the Ryder Cup for next year. So we have an interview with uh, Christian Nielsen of Galvin Green who of course provide the outerwear for the European Ryder Cup team. I was talking about the, the brand, their innovations, technology, and a little bit about the Ryder Cup as well, and also on how their relationship with the European captain works as to how they choose outfits and all the rest of it, how that, all, how that dynamic works. So that'll be coming a little bit later on. And also on the podcast, we'll have a discussion about our bucket list golf courses. It's a somewhat cliche term, but it's a popular one. And in Golf Shake recently, for, really since the end of the summer, until now we've been asking you on, on social media and on, on the website to try and uh, uh, inviting you to enter your free bucket list golf courses. The golf courses that you haven't played yet, you would dream most of all of playing. And the winner of that uh, is randomly drawn and actually receives a, a wonderful golf holiday to Mauritius. You know, a real kind of dream holiday there, a bucket list trip nonetheless. And uh, we've had about 500 entries from various people and they've dropped in their free golf courses with the results being somewhat interesting. Predictable in many ways, but also intriguing in others, and we'll discuss those a little bit later, go into greater detail about them, and obviously we'll ask Owen and myself what our free bucket list golf courses are. However, uh, if you're following us on, on Twitter and Facebook particularly, you'll be seeing right now there's a big uh, golf shake campaign going on right now. Even though we're coming towards the end of the golf season, don't put the golf clubs away because we have the Break Your Handicap Challenge with Galvin Green, we're, we're inviting you to come on, record your scores and stats, and if you break your handicap on the Golf Shake website, then you're entered into a draw to potentially win Galvin Green gear, and also a round with a Galvin Green Tour Professional at a top 100 golf course in the UK. So that's a wonderful prize running throughout October, so get involved with that, and also on social media, if you tweet us and share a picture of yourself working in your game on the golf course, maybe with some Galvin Green gear with the tag Never Compromise, you will be entered into a weekly social draw to win a one layer from Galvin Green. The first week there actually just ended at the weekend there and we will actually be drawing the winner on air on the Golf Shake podcast right now in a few moments time to see who won that first layer from Galvin Green. There will be three more layers coming up including this week and two for others to follow before the end of the month. So Owen, it seems like the Galvin Green campaign so far has been going really well. We've had a lot of social entries, obviously, for the past week, trying to claim that uh, layer. So, Owen, you are the, the the voice of the draw right now, so I'm going to pass it over to you, and you can draw out our first winner, our first weekly winner of the Galvin okay. Green Break Your Handicap Challenge. Do I get a drum roll for this, Kieran? Uh, well, there you go. That's the best I can do, I'm afraid. Uh, our sound effects don't. Uh, the budget, the Golf Shake budget doesn't, uh, doesn't stretch to... Uh, Drum roll sound effects. Okay, so I've got the photos here. There's been lots of uh, lots of great photos, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, um, using the hashtag Never Compromise, which is very much a Galvin Green mantra. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, some great photos. And just drawing the winner out now, and it is uh, a guy from Twitter uh, mm -hmm. at Jeeb Hog, um, J E E B H O G G. So he's won this, and he's posted. Uh, a couple of photos actually um, from Castle Stewart Golf Club in Scotland. Um, mm. So it's a good course. time to have it. He's won a t-shirt, so uh, a shirt, a gown green shirt. Maybe he should have been waited till later weeks to win a warmer layer <laughs> in the north of Scotland. So um, anyway, well done to him and uh, we'll get in touch with him and uh, and we'll draw the next winner next week for the next layer, which is, do you know what that is, Kieran? 
Uh, I don't know. No, it's, the no, next, I don't. it's the next one up anyway. I think it will be yeah, the muscular layer, so it'll be it a slightly is. warmer layer. But these, 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 you know, we go firm, further out from the body, and um, and uh, better layers, or certainly uh, more expensive layers as we go on. So well worth getting involved. Yes, congratulations to Jeep, and uh, well done in playing a golf course like Castle Stewart, which I think is one of the best in Scotland these days, a real modern classic, and uh, you'll now have some gear to go out there and play there, perhaps in the summertime next year again. However, I have to quickly ask you, Owen, under the rules, can Jeep enter again and try and win another layer on top of the one he's already won? Is that possible? Can yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as many photos, as long as they're different photos, just yeah, they keep posting them, as long as they're, they're relevant to the campaign, it's you working on your game. Um, you know, just keep keep posting them, and um, you'll be in the draw to to win that next layer. So, um, best of luck, everyone. We want to see your your pictures of of practicing on your game, or maybe in your Galvin gear out on the golf course, or or maybe it's just a great picture of of a golf course. Um, you know, any, anything like that, we'd love to see your pictures, and um, you know, and we'll try our best to respond to them as well on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and Facebook. So, yeah. Yes, we've been sharing many of those pictures and liking them on on Twitter and so on, and. Uh, do remember, of course, to put in the tag, never compromise, otherwise we'll not actually accept the entry. So that's a really important thing to remember, that the hashtags are, are king when it comes to social media these days. So do remember to, to put yours in to ensure that your entry will be accepted into the draw where you could be drawn out next week to win that second Galvin Green layer. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear from Jeeb in future and Jeeb will be trying to get a full kit from Galvin Green. But uh, the odds might be stacked against him, but certainly he's been very fortunate to win this first one, and congratulations to him, and we'll be in touch very soon. So Owen, kind of continuing uh, the Galvin Green theme, obviously I mentioned a, a few minutes ago about the interview you did with uh, Christian Nielsen, the CEO of Galvin Green at uh, Le Golf National in Paris. You were there playing and you were experiencing the golf course. You were tearing the golf course apart, if I remember correctly. Very impressive indeed. And you were sort of sampling the facilities there ahead of the Ryder Cup next year. And you're talking with Christian about uh, Galvin Green, their new mantra, the new motto they have, of it, which is uh, We Are Golf, uh, the brand philosophy, talking about obviously their relationship with the Ryder Cup and producing the European team's outerwear, how that dynamic works with Thomas Bjorn being the captain, how they work with him, and obviously talking a little bit about the whole uh, brand itself and what they're all about. So um, anything you want to add to that before I uh, put on the interview for, Gal for Galvin Green CEO uh, Christian Nielsen? Not really. I, th I think um, Galvin are a really interesting company in that they um, they really do focus on golf. Um, there's some there's some big companies in golf right now. Um, you know, Under Armour, Nike, uh, Adidas. Um, but these guys really do live and breathe it. Um, that's all they do. They just do golf. Um, they come. You know, they've got a lot of skiing expertise from when the company started in the clothing. Uh, they're obviously from Swedish company, so it's really interesting. It was great to get the access to Christian to be able to talk to him about uh, the philosophy that they have, the innovation that they constantly strive for in the company, trying to you know basically make garments that perform better for you on the golf course. And I think a lot of you will have Galvin Green uh, stuff and, and be really big fans of it. So I think it's interesting to talk about, uh, to listen to it, and see where they're going, and also how uh, they feel they can help uh, the Ryder Cup team. Uh, play their best at uh, Le Golf National next year and he's got a good chance of uh, seeing some Galvin Green uh, in play next year I think later <laughs> kind of uh, you know autumn time in, in Paris that is a really good chance we're going to see some of that rain gear on so um, yeah that's uh, yeah interesting interview and uh, a nice guy and a fascinating bloke to speak to. Well let's hear them from uh, Christian Nielsen the CEO of Galvin Green. 
Okay, so we've um, also here in Paris, we've been talking um, to you about uh, the new collection. And you started that by talking about We Are Golf. What does that mean to Gavin Green? And what does it mean for Gavin Green? I think it's it's so important that we remind ourselves where we come from and, and, and the whole... I'm, I'm not that guy who looked too much in the mirror, if you know what I mean, but we coming back there in the, in the, in the 80s and 90s and the reason why we started Galvin Green came from the passion of golf, uh, the knowledge about or the lack of product that was available for actually playing in rough, tough conditions. So, so by, by um, taking the, the we are golf into account in, in more in a bigger role, it's important internally for us yeah. to understand that we are home. Yeah. And the, the more you're growing, the more you can see that, oh, shouldn't we do a little bit like this or a little bit more? And then suddenly you leave the golf sector, yeah. uh, which could be good in <coughs> one respect because then you develop things that you didn't know exist in golf. Yeah. But, uh, and, and also, I think the competition. The, the general competition comes from from bigger sports brand. Yeah, they're doing a fantastic work, and they have loads of, of uh, things coming into product and marketing and things like that. But they, we can definitely see that, that there must be a compromise in some yeah. respects, and, and I, we want to highlight that we are both nothing else. Yeah, and that that has been very very important for us internally to remind ourselves but also external to, to make sure that everybody is called for nothing else. Yeah, and Gavin Green, I think the biggest uh, thing I think when I think of Gavin Green is innovation, um, technical wear. It seems like now you're innovating more than ever. Is, is that fair to say? It is, it is. It's the, the biggest change we have, uh, I would say, in, in, in the uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, because and I, I think that it, it comes to, it's, it's a coincidence in, in some respect because we are developing together with other suppliers different things that, that we can launch and then suddenly we, we are able to launch it on a certain year and, and in that year we have already done some other things with shirts or with trousers or with, with the clothing line as well. Yeah. Um, I think it has been uh, extremely important for us I, I always said that we have been less um, dependent on financial crisis in the world or uh, other sort of political issues or whatever it is. We, we're more into the weather aspect yeah. and, and uh, we try to change that as well because what we hear sometimes from retailers is that, well, it hasn't been raining, so we haven't sold any gallons. Mm. Well, wait, wait a minute. If, if you look at numbers, I think that, that rain and wind stands for about 50% yeah. in terms of, of um, pieces. Yeah. Um, so we have quite a lot of a big range that comes together and work together with, with everything that we do. So, so, uh, yeah, we, we have changed a lot and, and make sure that we now when we introduce the, the new interface and, and also claim the uh, position that that is a, a, a 
product that you can wear all year round. Yeah. Um, but yes, if it's raining, you need to have yeah. a good Gore-Tex Gore-Tex suit, or if it's very very sunny, yes, you need some yeah. some comfortable shirts and things yeah. like that. So. Could you? I mean, we've been wearing Interface the last day or so at the Golf National. What? Um, could you explain a little bit more about what that is and that brand for Galvin and how that how that will work for the consumer? Well, the the, the history really is uh, coming back. We using Windstopper as a brand. Yeah. Wind, Gore Windstopper is actually fabric. Yeah. A brand name from Gore. And we had difficulties in, in, in uh, marketing that as the optimal garment. It, um, it, it did say something about what it was, wind stopping, stops the wind. So people or consumers and retailers, yeah, well, it's a wind stop and nothing else. So for us it was important to change that and, and not get rid of the fabric. We're still using the fabric, yeah. but to create our own brand name for a, a category of product that could help you play in any conditions. Uh, not only wind, it yeah. could be a little bit colder, it could be warm, it could be windy, it could be a little bit of drizzling rain and things like that, but not coming up and say it's a windstopper. Mm. So, and, and this, this gives us a very, very uh, large tool to expand that range. Yeah. Uh, when we talked about windstopper, it was a windstopper, nothing else. Yeah. Now we can expand that range, and, and I, I think that, that has been the key. Yeah. thing for us. Again, we're using the best fabrics, that is, we, we're using the gold windstopper fabric yeah. in there, but it's more marketing, marketed as a bigger range and better yeah. usage of, of the garment. And you, and you describe this as um, something you'll need 95 out of 100 yeah. rounds, yeah. so it's, it's actually a, a product that is actually for the consumer is, is um, very versatile. Yeah, very versatile, has yeah has almost uh, greater important, importance, but um, it's something they, they, it's almost their first purchase yeah. in some ways. If, they, if they're new to Galvin and they want yeah. to some technical wear, this, this would be a good place to start. Yeah, and, and I, I know a lot of, of consumers that, that comes in for that type of, of product, yeah. or retailers around the world that, that actually um, hear that they are, they are looking for that kind of product. but. They're actually buying a Gore-Tex suit, yeah, and and they're very happy because that is that is a very quality product and things like. That. But they miss something, yeah, because it's better to to actually start on, on an interface range, yeah, because when it's raining, then you, you need, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also with with the interface, we we're now more free to to develop and, and to design. Uh, categories of products within that range in, in a better way. Yeah. Definitely, we're not uh, uh, stick to to one brand name. If you know what yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a product category that, that we can increase. Yeah. And talking of um, product categories and, and what's new from Galvin, um, very famous for the color blocking mm -hmm. and, and the way that uh, it's been designed in the past. But I noticed there was quite a few new uh, patterns um, in the you know. In the shirt, in the ventilate ranges, um, which seemed a bit of a departure, but something different from Galvin. Is is that something you see 
uh, as important or, or something new or is that something you've been wanting to do for a long time? Well, I, I think it's, it's just happening but, but it's, it's so important that we continue to develop, develop new, new things yeah. and we shouldn't develop just for the developing thing, it, no. it has to come out as being a nice product and a good yeah. product and, and fulfill all the criteria and qualities and things like that. But, Pattern, pattern change, and and, and again, I, I always talk about the world around us is changing yeah. every day, every year, and we cannot be sitting and, and, and think that we we doing the same thing. One, so yeah. we we need to change with the world as well, and, and it comes down to, to small things, but it could be like patterns in in a garment or whatever yeah. Yeah. to be inspired of of new new um, things, new um, uh, whatever it is, but it's, no, yeah, something something that have been there in the past definitely, but sometimes we've said, no, it's not good enough, yeah. so we put that aside, and then being left with what you used to see, yeah. maybe, um, when we come up with a pattern or with a color combination that we really like and it's, it's, it's time to launch it, it's, it's just happening. Yeah, I do think people will, will, will catch their eyes, some of those new, yeah, new yeah. shirts, and, and they'll look at, look at it on the shelf and go, well, that's Galvin, mm. I, I didn't expect yeah. that from Galvin, so yeah. interesting. Um, and we're here in Paris because we've been um, at the Golf National Ryder Cup next year, um, Galvin are obviously providing the outerwear, what, um, why, why the Ryder Cup and what, and what does that mean to Galvin as a company? Uh, first of all, I, I think that everybody knows it's the biggest golf event there is, yeah. and, and uh, to be invited to to quote for for the Ryder Cup committee, it was very honourable, and we we sort of very proud of being selected as a supplier, and, and, and we take it extremely serious. Yeah, I think um, we we will we will do the best there is um, in terms. Of, but also important for, for the whole company internally. Mm -hmm. It's actually something that engages people, yeah. uh, that we talk a lot of. Uh, and, and the good thing about it is that the planning, because Ryder Cup is not tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So when we decide to go with Ryder Cup, it's a four year yeah. uh, future yes, that we yeah. have and, and something to work with. And, and that actually creates engagement within the whole room. Mm. Uh, we're talking about it, we're developing around it, we, we um, sort of engage people really. Yeah. So, so it has been an, uh, very, very important to, to uh, lift the whole organization yeah. uh, from, from warehouse to, to returns, claims, uh, sales, finance, yeah. anything. Every, everybody's involved and that, that is good. Yeah. It's really good to engage people within the company. Yeah. And how much um, interaction uh, and direction do you get from the European Tour and Thomas well, Bjorn and his team? Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Uh, uh, when, when we met Thomas for the first time, he was, he was really, really good in that respect that he didn't tell us what to do. Yeah. He, he, he said straight in to us, it was me and Martin, said, you are the experts, yeah. so I need to rely on you. I can tell you three, four things that I don't want to have in terms of design yeah. features or yeah. uh, 
in technical aspect, it can be, I want more pockets. Yeah. So when you develop a range for, for me and for, for, the, for, the, for the group, mm. I want to see more pockets. Yeah. So, so that could be one. But he, he didn't go in and say, I need that fabric, I need that sleeve, I need that sort of whatever it is. Yeah. So he, he really rely on us yeah. to do that. Um, so there were a few things that he said that he didn't want to see or yeah. that he actually wanted to see. Okay. But not in terms of designing anything like that, really. Um, yeah. So, so that, that was a starting point. And then obviously when we develop and we show pieces, it, we need to do it in his size so he could actually try it on yeah. and feel that, like, okay, yeah, I like this. And okay. does it, the, 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 there's a lot of big things going on between us and the Ryder Cup committee um, in terms of coloration and, and, and the design and things like that and have that confirmation it's a lot yeah. of administration around it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then you have another part on the on the clothing yeah. side yeah so that blue color or whatever it is yeah. has to be exactly the same so they could be combined and things like that and okay and if, if somebody is actually slowing down the tempo it slows down for everybody yeah. so um, but they're quite spot on, yeah, definitely. He's a busy man now, uh, yes. this, this autumn, but uh, we're getting there, the, the last prototypes are done and... Uh, ready to go? Ready to go. Hoping for some rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just finally, what um, has working with the Ryder Cup and working with the Ryder Cup committee and that different process of working to a, a final point and something very, very specific compared to a range for golfers, uh, although it is for golfers, um, have you learned anything as a company, do you think, from that? Has it taught oh, you anything? Absolutely. Um, again, uh, the, the timeline mm. and, and uh, involving quite a lot of people, again, and <clears throat> the distance between and, and people who's traveling and, and uh, so that, uh, the planning, yeah. uh, the, whole, the whole setup of the project from day one to um, involve a lot of people and uh, you need to run it as a project yeah. um, again involving a lot of people so it has learned a lot and, and um, I think we we could we have also learned them how, how flexible we can be in, yeah. in terms of, of different things and what we want to do is it's not just to throwing out products no. it's, it's actually to do something yeah that works 100% hmm. uh, for them and, and make sure that Europe takes the cup back and, yeah. and, and, and if we can be involved in that, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Christian Nielsen, CEO of Galvin Green with our very own esteemed colleague here, Owen Davis, talking about uh, the, the company, the brand, their philosophy, their innovations and technology and also about the Ryder Cup next year at the Golf National and their relationship with that and how that all works out dynamic wise. But you're, you're, you mentioned there before the interview on about obviously the, the weather trying to bring out the, the outer wear. You never know, obviously this week actually the pictures I've seen from the Golf National, the weather's been fantastic in Paris this week so obviously if that was the same next year we might not see much of the Galvin Green stuff but uh, if the temperatures do drop a little bit I'm sure we will see uh, some of that gear showcased across the the most watched and uh, kind of um, obviously the one of the most exciting events that we see on the calendar every two years and uh, it should be a fascinating week next year and uh, of course you can now enjoy it next year having played the golf course which is obviously quite a fun thing to be able to say you've done so yeah 
a fascinating interview there, an interesting guy, and a pleasure to uh, have the time to talk to him. We thank him for the opportunity, and obviously what, what we do with Galvin Green is a, a big part of what we have right now at Golf Shake. So again, do try and check out the Gal- Galvin Green Break Your Handicap Challenge on the Golf Shake website. We'll have the link to that attached to this podcast. And obviously do try and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and indeed Instagram, and try and share your pictures and potentially win some Galvin Green prizes for yourself. Try and follow in the footsteps of Jeeb Hogg, the man who played Castle Stewart. But yes, talking about you know fantastic golf courses, great golf courses, and that's kind of leads into quite nicely into what we're going to talk about now. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, throughout the past few months since August, really, we've been asking people on social media and on the website to enter in their three favourite golf courses, the three golf courses, I should say, they want to play the most, the three bucket list golf courses, the ones that they dream of playing the most, the golf courses they have to tick off the list before they, unfortunately, depart from this, this mortal world. And uh, Owen, obviously, we've kind of sat there and thought about this ourselves, and uh, we've had some fascinating results, and we've had uh, about 450 entries into this uh, from people, and uh, some of them have been quite... Um, <laughs> colourful, but uh, I think the top ones are kind of as you would expect. And number one on the list is narrowly Augusta National, home of the Masters Tournament, of course, seen every year, every April in the first major of the year. Obviously, iconic, famous, you know, you know, incredibly beautiful, uh, unbelievably manicured and aesthetically pleasing. And of course, you know, very exclusive. You know, a golf course that ninety nine point nine percent of people will have never have a chance of actually playing. Uh, so perhaps that exclusivity actually drives the kind of the allure of it even more. It's obviously one of those golf courses that most of us will never have any chance of playing. So perhaps it's why it's that unattainable aspect makes it so fascinating and appealing to people as well. And number two on the list is unsurprisingly the old course at St Andrews, which is three, three votes behind that on 246 votes out of 450. And uh, it's narrowly behind and um, again the opposite to Augusta National in the respect that is of course a public golf course open to everybody, everybody can go there and play it's much easier to go and play than you would maybe expect and we have details about that on the Golf Shake website, obviously it can be quite expensive but it's certainly available and that's obviously an experience many people want to take to walk uh, down the home of golf and play those iconic holes and uh, follow in the footsteps of all the great players who have played in 29 Open Championships at St Andrews over the past 140 years or so. And at uh, number three on the list is slightly behind, but perhaps not uh, too unexpected, is uh, Pebble Beach, which of course is an iconic venue in the United States. It's played host to US Opens and every year on the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It's obviously visually spectacular, one of the most uh, you know, visually stunning golf courses in the world. And it has that tremendous you know, holes along the coast that are just striking and visually stunning. And uh, it, it holds a real kind of allure to people as well. And uh, these are commonly viewed as being the, the probably the three most famous golf courses in the world, I would say. And uh, certainly it's no surprise to see that the three of them are at the top of that list. So, Owen, coming to you now, and uh, unfortunately you haven't played all three of them, but you have played the old course and you have been to Pebble Beach twice, but having not played it. So um, I have to ask you, before we get into your picks themselves, what about these top three? Were you surprised to see the... Augusta, the old course, and Pebble Beach is, is by far the three most popular picks. No, not really. <laughs> I think uh, it's pretty standard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's pretty standard stuff. I think um, you know Augusta and St Andrews are interchangeable in a lot of ways. I think if you if you probably ask if you did this in America, um, St Andrews may well come out on top, and if you did it pure in the UK, I think Augusta will come out on top. So uh, it, accessibility there is is the key. Um, I did think it was quite interesting, actually, that Pebble Beach and St Andrews 
you know, three of the world's most famous golf courses by quite a long way. Um, two of them you can play, you know, if you've got the money, uh, mm-hmm. they're not cheap, but you can go and play yeah. both of them really quite easily. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can book a tee time, rock up, and you can you can you can play both of them. I mean, uh, the old course. How much is the old course? Do you do you know off the top of your head, Kieran? Uh, well, in the height of summer, it's one hundred and seventy-five pounds. But right now, you can play it for a mere one hundred and twenty-three. All right, and I know that Pebble Beach is around the five hundred and fifty dollar mark, um, and then the buggy on top usually. So, yeah, six hundred dollars, give or take, uh, which isn't cheap. But if you're nope. ticking off a bucket list item, um, you can definitely do it. It's it's really not a problem uh, if you book well in advance to get on Pebble Beach. So. Um, I thought it was quite interesting and in absolute stark contrast to Augusta which is almost impossible for um, you know you say 99.9 of golfers <laughs> are never going to get on that one I don't think so but Wish, I do know a few wishful thinking though I, I, have, I have dreams I wish I hope so that's why I'm trying to give hope to people they, they might have a slight chance of playing Augusta you never know you know, know Xbox doesn't count right Kieran no that's true that's true but EA Sports <laughs> is quite fun though so that's, that's true it's about as close as anyone will probably get to it but yeah and also, obviously they're actually going through the whole top 10 now Owen and um, yep. some fascinating results actually. number 4 on the list is, is it surprising I'm not sure is TPC Sawgrass Obviously, home of the Players Championship. Obviously, people were sort yeah. of um, drawn in by trying to play the the seventeenth hole there, the, the famous par three. Again, I think it comes back to the fact that most of these golf courses are the most visually known, iconic. They're on TV every year, and people recognise yeah. them for that reason. I think that's probably why they're top of the list. And again, TPC Sawgrass is an accessible golf course to go and play if you're on holiday in Florida. It's a very popular destination and. Uh, Certainly, one to try and tick off the list, and then we go actually back to the more exclusive side of the list, where we have number five on the list, which is Cypress Point, which is very close to uh, Pebble Beach, just across the bay, and uh, is just one of the most unbelievable locations I've ever seen. You know, you imagine how they can actually put a golf course there; it's just extraordinary stuff. But again, if you're Augusta National exclusive, Cypress Point is probably even more so. It's even harder to get on, and uh, two very exclusive golf courses, Augusta and Cypress Point, but. Uh, they rank very highly. And then we actually move down to the Southern Hemisphere, where we have the West Course at Royal Melbourne in Australia, which is obviously part of the Australian Sandbelt, an extraordinary one of golf courses along that coastline. And Royal Melbourne is the most famous famous example of that. And uh, it's one of the most uh, kind of influential golf courses we have in the world in terms of course design. And uh, it's, it's a real fascinating looking course, and it looks tremendous fun to go and play. And we have seen it in years over a President's Cup as well. And we'll see it, I think, in a couple of years' time on the President's Cup as, Cup 2. So it'll be showcased there as well. So obviously the Royal Melbourne is a famous golf course and uh, it ranks number six on our list uh, from bucket list courses. And number seven is a more of a, a modern layout, uh, Cape Kidnappers in New Zealand, which is a Tom Doak design opened in 2004. It's an uh, extraordinary, you know, visually striking, just... Um, looks an extraordinary place and uh, one a course that maybe doesn't quite have the same recognition as the ones above it but this shows you how popular it's become in terms of the way it looks and people are really intrigued by it and it ranks number seven and obviously traveling to New Zealand is obviously a, a bucket list trip for many people as well but to go there and play a golf course like that would be obviously icing on the cake uh, but number eight uh, caught me by some surprise Owen which was uh, Wentworth the west course there home of the BMW PGA Championship and of course previously the the world match play I think in the end it's probably their own because of its iconic nature among British golf. We've obviously grown up with it on TV every yeah. year and people obviously went to the golf tournament through the years, growing up there watching it. So it probably has that kind of uh, affinity with them that way. 
I don't think anyone would put it in their top 10 golf courses in the world. However, in terms of a, a, an iconic imagery within British golf, it's, uh, it's well up there, that's for sure. Yeah, and, I, I agree. I think, yeah, I think you've got all those great, the great championships over the years. The world match play, yeah. um, even more so for me than potentially um, the BMW. I almost associate those world match play events with, with Seve and Els being dominant mm-hmm. for so long. Uh, mm-hmm. Woods playing in a couple of them. I associate the, that course with that, that oct- you know, around this time of year, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Sort of event. And uh, as a kid growing up, you really wanted to go and play that golf course as a result. So that, that's why that's there, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, and number, ten, number nine and number 10 on our list are actually two British golf courses as well. Number nine is Kings Barnes, just along the road from me, uh, from St Andrews. And Kings Barnes obviously was recently showcased during the Rico Women's British Open. And indeed, the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, and is obviously you know, visually a great location, very scenic, and that seems to draw people in. Obviously, as a, a modern design, maybe not quite has the same character as many of the golf courses in the area, but it certainly it stands out on its own for that reason. And then number ten is Royal Birkdale, this year's Open venue, uh, widely regarded as being perhaps the, the finest uh, links course in England, and uh, certainly it was a great venue for the Open this year. Massive crowds there, very popular. And uh, obviously, it crowned the great champion and Jordan Spieth and uh, Birkdale has a, a wonderful history throughout the game. So, Owen, obviously, I've been through my the top ten there that we had in, and uh, obviously, we, we we discussed Wentworth there and so on. But I'm going to turn it over to you now. And you 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 had you've played some of the golf courses in this top ten. Obviously, you've played Birkdale, you've yep. played the old course, you've played Kings Barnes. But away from that, what are the three golf courses uh, in the world that to stand out to you? has been the ones that you would love to play more than any other and tick off the list before Owen. It'll be a long, long, long way. It'll be a long way, way, way from now. But before you depart from this world, Owen, what, what are the three golf courses? You're still a young man. What are the three golf okay. courses that you want to play the most? Okay, I would have Augusta as number one, uh-huh. simply because of its nature. I'm going to leave that to one side though. I've got three others because that's kind okay. of obvious, and I think everyone in in. And I think this is a UK thing. I'm not sure you get this answer in America in quite the same way. But I think in the UK, the way the Masters falls as the first event of the mm-hmm. season, the first big event of the season, the way it was on BBC TV, and you remember it, um, everyone will remember it growing up. And it, it was very special. So I think everyone in the UK, li- literally every single person would say that was number one because of its, its status in the game. So I'm going to leave that to one side because that's kind of done and dusted. Mm-hmm. So I've got three others. Uh, one of which is on your list. Um, which mm-hmm. is Royal Melbourne, um, possibly the finest example of a of a golf course, certainly outside of the UK and America. Um, I've never heard a bad word about it. Um, I think it always looks amazing on TV. It harks back to the golf I love playing in, in the UK and its heathland roots. Um, so I think that, that has to be on there for me on the list. We've discussed <laughs> it before. If it doesn't ever hold a major, it would be an absolute tragedy. So... Um, I think something's got something's going to have to change. So these golf, if we're going to go the game globally, great golf courses like this, um, you know, need to be on there. And the fact that it's so high on the list and it hasn't held a major, um, you know, and we don't get that much TV accessibility mm-hmm. to Australian events because of the time differences, just shows what a great golf course it, it is and um, how important it is to the world game um, that we have something there. So that that'd be uh, kind of right. number one on my list. Um, Second would be Pine Valley in America. Um, it is a actually a Harry Colt design. Um, he designed it with uh, jointly with another uh, a U.S. architect, I believe, um, George Grump, um, in 1918. But it is regularly 
um, you know, rated as the number one course in America. Um, I know a lot of the golf professionals over there certainly rate it the highest in America by quite a long way. Uh, it comes a top in the Golf Digest listings over and over and over again and for long periods of time. Um, and if you look at any pictures, if you Google it now, um, you'll be amazed by it. It looks absolutely fantastic. Again, a Heathland design, uh, as you might expect from a Colt uh, course, but uh, in the pine trees, Heathland course, uh, just looks, you know, all mm -hmm. sand-based, looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then finally, I've, got a, I've gone for a bit of a um, left-field choice here, uh, and it's, it's probably not a great golf course, but it's in probably the most visually stunning location I can think of. And, and you mentioned Cypress Point, you know, having, having been to the Monterey Peninsula a couple of times, that's pretty special. Um, but it's, um, I'm not quite how to pronounce it, but L Loferton Links or Lofton Links. Lofton Links, yeah. L yeah, exactly. So that's up in the uh, Arctic Circle. Um, you can you can play it, you know, all, all the way, you know, past midnight if you want yeah. in the summer. Um, you can see the Northern Lights on, on a lot of occasions. You probably can up in St. Andrews quite often, I imagine. It's, it's too, uh, it's too cloudy. It, it seems, <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, I saw some pictures from Muirfield actually, which was pretty close to making my list uh, yesterday. Where they were, it, there was some uh, northern lights oh. on the show um, last oh. night. So I don't know if that had to do with the, the storm we've just experienced here mm. in the UK. Um, but but it, but they were there apparently. So, um, but yeah, that would be on my list. I think it would just be. It looks visually amazing. It's a bit of an odyssey to get there. Um, it'd be an epic journey mm. to get there. Uh, and I think it's, yeah, it's kind of one that I'd, you know, when you're talking about bucket lists and something unusual and inaccessible, it, it would be, it'd be up there for me to go and play that one. I think it'd be very cool to go and do. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, you got I've, I've got too many, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm luckily, I've been, I've been lucky enough to play a few that would, would actually be on my list before. And your course is like the old course or uh, Dornock, which would be probably on my list a few years ago to play those golf courses was obviously a thrill. So I'm kind of a little bit like you, you know, Augusta National, I think, has to be there because we are so familiar with it. It is so iconic, even though we can maybe question the, the golf club itself and the ethics of it and uh, what, what it represents, which perhaps isn't the best thing for the, for the game. However, I think in terms of the... And what they've done to the golf course throughout the years where it's really not the golf course it was even 20 years ago. It's changed quite significantly since then. And I think it's perhaps a little bit gimmicky in terms of the green speeds there. However, as an iconic piece of property, it's uh, there's nowhere else quite like it. The chance to sort of just be there and to play Amen Corner, see that see that view, recreate some of those great shots, or try to recreate them at least, that some of the guys have done over the years. And it would be obviously an amazing thrill, even just to be there for, for, the, for the actual tournament itself as a spectator would be a dream. But... Uh, I think to play there, I think every golfer would have that on their list because of that. You know, the Masters is 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 so just it's like you said there. It is for the for, for UK golfers. It's sort of it's the start of our golf season. We all kind of grew up with it on TV and late at night on the BBC. It has that real affinity with us, and it almost feels kind of part of our lives every year. Uh, so I think everyone would put it there, uh, unless they were kind of kidding themselves. It has to be in that top bracket. But away from that, I, I agree with you. I think Royal Melbourne, and I put Royal Melbourne in there uh, really because it's more to do with the area itself. And I think that you know the, the Melbourne Sandbelt, you have you know, obviously Royal Melbourne here, you have Kingston Heath, you have Metropolitan as well. These golf courses that are just you know they're they're so they look so good on television. Again, they sort of have that Heathland, they almost uh, as well kind of a links-like uh, feature to them as well. The way they play, and uh, you know, so visually striking, just look, look so fun to play great variety they're wide open off the tee generally 
uh, but obviously so challenging with the second shots and allow the players to sort of plot their way around strategically. Uh, so it's not just a test of execution, it's also a test of strategy. I think that's the way the game should be. And again, like you say, the fact we don't have bigger events down in that part of the world is a travesty and the game's kind of letting itself down there because imagine having an international major that played a lot across Australia and played across those golf courses every year. It would be just incredible. And it would really illuminate you know, our living rooms in the middle of the winter here. You know, seeing these golf courses on TV would be fantastic. So yeah, Royal Melbourne has to be on the list. Uh, kind of elsewhere, I sort of was kind of racking my brains about this one as to where I would want to go and play. And I sort of get things more for kind of the, the history aspect of them. I'd love to go and play Pinehurst number two. Uh, because I, I, again, I, I, do, I do love the, the redesign there that they did a few years ago turning it back to its roots again it's actually quite similar to courses like Royal Melbourne and it's quite wide open off the tee quite rugged as well designed by Donald Ross back in the day who was, was from Royal Dornock and uh, so it has a real it's kind of like the American equivalent of St Andrews really a public facility with several golf courses in North Carolina and it's uh, obviously hosted US Opens in the past so I think it would probably be on my list as well and I, sort of as a third one just to kind of follow your footsteps here Owen. I'm going to, I'm a real glutton for punishment here but I'd love to go and just see what I would shoot around Oakmont, see if I could break 150 or something like that. Obviously Regard has been one of the hardest golf courses in the world, obviously a great host of many US Opens, a tremendous history there and uh, I'd love to have a go at that. So I think those my, my top three apart from Augusta would be Pinehurst, Oakmont and Royal Melbourne so I think it'd have to be hard to disagree with those ones and again you mentioned uh, Pine Valley one earlier and Pine Valley comes in at number 17 on our list and I'll actually quickly run through the top 20 we had, obviously we had the top 10 there number 11 was Pine House, number 2 number 12 was Ailes of course at Turnberry number 13 was actually the Heritage which is the course that you can play on the Mauritius if you actually win the prize so I think people are trying to put that in there for wishful thinking I think I, I think it is I think it is tactical, but I must quickly say, putting that in there will not help your chances. You have as much chance as anybody else to win this prize. It does look very good, though, that course, I've got to say. But I'm not sure it's going to be 13 on the list. Number 14 was Glen Eagle. So, unfortunately, no one actually specified which of the golf courses, whether it be the, the, the PJ Centenary, the Kings or the Queens. Hopefully, it's the Kings or Queens, because as we all know, the PGA Centenary, the Ryder Cup course, is a walking abomination. So, at number 15 is Muirfield, more on the exclusive side of things of course, but obviously regarded as being one of the best of the open venues, perhaps the finest in Scotland. Number 16 is Royal County Down, which actually came out as number one on the Golf Digest Top 100 list last year. So very highly regarded golf course in Northern Ireland. Obviously we see it in the, we saw it in the Irish Open uh, last year, you know, wonderful golf course and uh, Roy McIlroy's favourite, so it's, it's one to check out. Number 17, I'd say, was Pine Valley, one of Owen's picks. Number 18 is Carnoustie. Next year's open venue. Obviously, a very tough golf course, recently seen on the uh, Alfred Dunhill Links. Obviously, iconic historic golf course, one that people want to go and try and test their game on. And it's number 18. It comes at number 26, actually, on the Golf Digest list. Number 19 is Loch Lomond. Again, very explosive. Owen, you've been there as well. And I know you think it's overrated, but we'll. Uh, Want to comment on that? Be controversial? Yeah. On you go. I think it's a, it's a bucket list course rather than a great golf course. Oh, that yeah, that's very diplomatic there, I've got to say. Okay, well, we'll let go. That's, that's okay, that's fair enough. I'm never getting in the gates again, am I? Now? Yeah, but you've been there once, so that's 
yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's closer than, that, that, that'll do, yeah. It's closer than anyone's we'll get into, probably. And then number 20 is one I mentioned earlier. There's Royal Dornock up in the Highlands of Scotland, which is a kind of remote place, but it's a, a really, really extraordinary golf course and just visually stunning. And just, uh, you, you have to think it feels untouched by time and it's certainly worth going up there. And actually, I would say that the Highlands of Scotland is, uh, for me, probably the most underrated destination in the UK in terms of golf. You've got some wonderful courses up there. You have Dornock, you have Castle Stewart. And you have other golf courses like Brora and Golspie that are real kind of rugged classic links courses. So it's uh, it's an area worth checking out. A little bit off the beaten path, but uh, certainly worth visiting. It's a, a great experience up there. But oh, obviously we had so many great responses there from people. Wonderful entries, really you know, insightful, enjoyable, and people kind of came up with a really varied list there. And I think it's certainly people. And we and we would encourage anybody now to go and add their name to that list and put in their entries and try and get involved in that competition. If you want a trip to Mauritius, a dream holiday, seven nights there in, in golf, get involved. You have a chance of winning that. You have a one in four hundred and fifty chance right now of actually winning that. So try and boost those numbers a little bit and uh, get your favourite golf courses in there and tell us what your dream golf course is to go and play. What's your bucket list? But Owen, unfortunately, when you when you sort of um, open these things up to the general public occasionally some people kind of misconstrue what you're asking or make mistakes so i've actually written these right. all down because i was i went through all the entries and i enjoyed ones people there you know augusta st andrews pebble beach wonderful great wentworth surprising but i understand it okay but now it gets a bit strange so we had one entry for that wonderfully iconic golf course in switzerland called crabs sorcier i've never heard of crab I've never heard of crabs, Cersier. I've heard of crans. Maybe that's a restaurant in uh, in crans. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, yeah. So crabs, there you go. You fancy a game of crabs. And uh, then we also, we also had um, a golf course called Peeble. Peeble, i never heard of that. I'm assuming it's Pebble, but Peeble, there you go. Who knows, there could be a golf course. Just a Scottish Well, Pebble. yeah, well, actually, there's a place called Peebles in Scotland, of course, down at the border. So maybe it's that. Who knows? It could be the Cardona course down at Peebles that he's talking about. Somehow I doubt it. And then we had another vote actually for a golf course in New York. Well, I, I assume it's this golf course, and he's called it Shinnecott, not Shinnecott, Shinnecott. So unfortunately, I haven't heard of a golf course called Shinnecott, but I'm, I know what you mean. And then finally, we had one vote for a golf course called King Barn. Two words, King Barn. So don't know what don't know, I don't know where that is. <laughs> but then we had one guy who Owen. He was so he was so wonderfully vague. He put down three things, Wales, Scotland, and England. He's not picky. He just wants to play one of those golf courses in each nation. That's it. So it could be anyone. Just he wants to play in each of these countries. That's it. But now, Owen, I have to say, that's it. He wants to try and see what's, what it's like over on the other side of the, North, of the Irish Sea. What's, what's Britain like? But yeah, so actually, and now Owen, I've got to say, it becomes a little bit strange because people obviously misunderstood we were asking for the top three bucket list golf courses but unfortunately some people seem to have kind of misconstrued that and i've decided to actually put in essentially their three dreams in life not just golf courses <laughs> so this is where it gets really good so we have one person put in golf for ladies <laughs> paddle boarding paddle boarding and flying so, Owen, I've always wanted to go and play a golf course called paddleboarding, so that's <laughs> someone's dream. And then we have another person dropped in. Like 20 and balls. 
<laughs> plenty, of, plenty of balls there, as well as for flying too. Yeah. I'm not sure what they mean by golf for ladies. You know, ladies can play golf, you know, just not unfortunately certain golf courses, but they can. Generally speaking, didn't, didn't get Muirfield on the same entry as that one there. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Perhaps that was kind of the subtext of that. You never know. <laughs> but um, I've also had actually another person put in get hole in one, okay, complete course on par, and then beat beat dad. So, <laughs> so somebody wants to beat their dad as well as get a hole in one and complete a golf course on par well, now, quite a lot of people's bucket list that one isn't it well, well, it's certainly on mine and especially beating dad but no comment there but uh, yeah so obviously and now actually on our next on the list one person put in again somewhat I think sneakily they put in visit Mauritius oh yeah uh, I know your game also play golf abroad Okay, well, that'll tick off the first one, yeah. yeah. And then the third one, swim as many seas as possible. So there you go. So, so somebody wants to visit Mauritius, play golf abroad, but as they're doing that one, swim as many of the, of the, the world oceans and seas as they possibly can. So there you go. And now we, we have two more. And the next one here is a little bit similar to the previous one, where the first entry is hole-in-one. Okay, it's a given. They also want to play Wentworth, right? But finally, they want to meet Nick Faldo too. So there you go. So okay. Hole in one, play Wentworth and meet Nick Faldo. That's someone's dream in life. If you set your expectations low in life, it could possibly happen. I think that's probably what it is. I'm about to say meeting Nick Faldo. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the, I have to say, this is probably my favourite one though, because I love just how extraordinarily random it is. Persons put in New York Golf Club, right? And then they've put in any course. It's quite nice. It's quite nice. Yeah, it's new, nice, nice. Trees. Yeah. Okay, but then, but then they've that. put in any course in France, any course in Italy. <laughs> so, some people. <laughs> any course. We could arrange that for them. See how they see how they get on with their bucket list. Just yeah, <laughs> make their dreams come true. Just play any golf course in these countries. So there you go. It just shows you one. Some people come in here and think, "Oh, I want to play Augusta and Pine Valley and Cypress Point." And some people really just aren't very picky they'll take anything so that shows you some people have different expectations so again a little bit of fun there we do thank everybody of course for their entries into this both the smart ones and the, the less clever ones too but they were certainly funny and they've, they've brought me much amusement actually so i've enjoyed that. i'm going to make you a promise now kieran we are yes. going to do with the next competition we have uh where we have on site where it's something uh sort of relevant we've got to do a dream four ball picks because it'd just be oh, uh, oh no no that, that's just gonna end in disaster that's just gonna <laughs> we'll be it'll be double podcast length doing dream portable reading out those <laughs> well i must say i did enjoy reading this one out I said, actually i thought you were about to say we could, we could actually have a, a a prize where the actual prize is perhaps meeting nick faldo paddle boarding and playing any course in france in one day you could do that but maybe you can paddle board to meet speak to nick faldo and then play around a golf in france with him there we go there you go see that can be the next challenge for next year that can be the next Galvin Green challenge so yes thank you everybody for this week's um, somewhat surreal Golf Shake podcast obviously we had a very packed episode here talking about the the trials and tribulations of uh, Tyrrell Hatton's mood 
Then we had, obviously, talking about the drawing our first winner from the Break Your Handicap Challenge. And again, do get involved with that, both on the website in terms of entering your scores and also on social media. Send us your pictures with the hashtag NeverCompromise and you'll be entered into that draw to potentially win a Galvin Green layer. Then we heard from Galvin Green CEO Christian Nielsen, who was talking to Owen uh, last month in France, talking about the Red Cup and obviously the brand itself and the technology there and innovation and what they're all about. A real fascinating discussion with a, a very interesting guy, and on, certainly. And then, of course, there we had our uh, bucket list golf courses. We chose ours, Owen and I, and we shared many of your picks from, the, as I say, from the very intelligent and interesting ones to the somewhat unusual ones but we appreciate them all and we love you indeed you're all our dedicated followers and we appreciate every single one of you even if sometimes we don't quite understand you but again owen thank you for joining me once again on the golf shake podcast i hope you enjoyed your time with me today and uh as always care and good luck unpacking for the house and i hate uh, it <laughs> yes indeed and uh, i'll be we'll ask you and, and we'll hear from you again once again uh, next week so Thank you for listening to the Golf Shake Podcast. My name is Kieran Clark, alongside Owen Davis, and we'll hear from you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs>